grandkids. We have a stock full of mom and mobs. It is the deal when they're in town. And that's where my wife is. She's with three of our grandchildren in Snoqualmie, Washington. You'll have to look it up. You probably don't know where it's at. It's about 30 minutes from Seattle. Our son is stationed at Fort Lewis. And so she's out there for a couple weeks, and uh, she's also a Christian. I really do not do well when she's gone. I'm like, all right, I'm going any weekend for some reason. (laughs) But congratulations to all the graduates. It's great. We're proud of you. And um, maybe you don't need this reminder, but it's still good to tell you that God has a plan for your life. And he had a plan for your life from the very beginning of your life. And I believe that for all of us, that we're, none of us are on this earth by accident. We're here by the intentional will of God. God created us, shaped us. All of us have different skills, different dynamics, and he made us for his purpose. And so I pray that you discover the purpose of God and the path he has for you. Well, good morning, everyone. Lord bless you and just pour out his favor upon you. Um, He knows where you're at, what you're going through, your struggles, what you need prayer for. It's just good to get back in one service. Last Sunday was a great Mother's Day, and it's just great to see all of you. We're uh, online again, and we welcome those who are watching us online. Um, If there's one area of our lives that we need to go deeper in, it's in our relationship with the Lord, right? And more so in one part of that relationship, and that is in our prayer life. I'm speaking of prayer. You know, we're influenced by our culture, influenced by our family. Um, I happen to be blessed to be raised in a home where my mom and dad were both committed believers. And they with us every meal, every day. We, we just thought that was the normal thing to do is be people of prayer. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, Jesus talked about prayer. Preached about prayer. I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn there. Um, who better to learn how to pray than the master himself, right? And you know, we don't really have very many prayers specifically that Jesus prayed that we can like model. Most of the time that he prayed, he was out away from everybody, which that could be a model. He would get up before the disciples would wake up, and they'd wake up, and they'd start looking for him. Like, where's, where's he at? And, and he'd be off away from them praying. Can you fathom that? And here Jesus is every day beginning his day with prayer. And it's not unlikely that when he, re- he is recorded, the longest continuous session that he has multi-topic, the longest setting where he preached and taught, is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's called Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to take you to chapter 6 because here he deals with prayer of all things. And he gives them this prayer to pray. In this manner, this is verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That last part is not in your NIV. There's a little bit of a manuscript thing there. The later manuscripts have that. But I just believe that's supposed to be part of it. I don't know why the NIV and, and some of the others didn't put it in there. But there it is. Now, there is so much to unpack in those five verses, and there's no way we can do that this morning. I don't know why they stopped that. Um, entire books have been written on these five verses. Some of the older ones in this room will remember a man by the name of Larry Leed. Could you not carry one hour? How many of you all remember Larry Leed? See, you're all good. Good at memory. Some of you all still don't remember. That's 1980. Good for you. You were in the first grade studying Larry Leed. <laughs> but there's also, he wrote a book on that, on the Lord's Prayer. Broke it down so that you could spend an hour just going through the Lord's Prayer. Dick Eastman has a little book called The Hour That Changes the World. And guess what it focuses on? The Lord's Prayer. He's got 12 steps in all of that. And he says if you spend five minutes on each of those 12 steps, you would have spent an hour in prayer. In fact, if you do a search on how to pray or just You'll find all kinds of people with videos. Bihan Damaris is an Indian lady that I found a two-minute, how many of you like videos that's two-minute long? Two-minute excursion through the Lord's Prayer. Powerful. So I subscribed to her YouTube, and she has all kinds of other things. But this Indian, the lady of Indian descent is just communicating how to take the Lord's Prayer and put it to use in your own personal life. You know, it's, it's not, he didn't give us this. Most of us have memorized it by the King James, right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we can go through and we just memorize it. But he did not give this to that group of people. His disciples were there. But there was a bunch of other people there, and he did not give them that so that they could write down, learn it, memorize it, and recite it. He was giving them the answer to how to pray as opposed to how not to pray. Because if you look at the verses earlier, he points out two dynamics that are going on, and he says, don't do this. As one is, he says, don't pray like the hypocrites, which is another word for fakes. Don't pray like they pray who make a big show out of praying and it's all about drawing attention to themselves. Don't do that. Sometimes we need those things. Don't do it that way. And then he says, there's those who just go on and on. <laughs> Hopefully that's not bringing anybody to your mind. But uh, he said, there's some people who think that they're going to be heard because of all of the words they just load it up with words, load the air with words, and repetition after repetition after repetition. And he says, don't do that either. But go into your closet, go into your private place, get before the Father. And then he says, and then you pray this prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, it's, it's just, it's not many words there, is it? But when you look at it, it's a pattern. I'm just going to focus on two things this morning, so I'm not going to try to go through this whole prayer. But I want you to see how it starts. 
It starts with our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, the word hallowed means to be set apart. Your name, Lord, is holy. Your name is exalted. And he's actually telling them that it's a good way to start your prayer with worship. This is a worship. This is a statement of worship. This is how we start our communion with God and our conversation with God. Telling him of his greatness. Letting him know that we know he is the sovereign Lord that we need. Before we start making requests, we, we really need to be reminded that he's the sovereign God and everything we lack and everything we'll ever need is found in him, right? And this fits the way we see Jesus praying. We only have a couple examples that we know of that, that he prayed and people reported it. One is standing at the, the cemetery where Lazarus has been tombed for four days. And he goes out there and he's going to call Lazarus out of the tomb. But before he does that, he prays. You remember what he says? He looks up to heaven. I don't know where we ever got that we have to close our eyes to pray. Maybe it's to keep people from distracting us. But it says he looks up to heaven and he says these words. Father, I thank you that you hear me. That's how he started his prayer. Father, I thank you that you hear me. He is praying in a way to help those people in their prayer time. That this culture was a culture of prayer. The, the Jewish people prayed all the time. They prayed in the synagogue. They prayed at home. Every meal they prayed over began with Baruch Atu Adonai, Eloheinu, Melech Ho'olam. It is blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe. They actually started their prayer with worship. When we pray over food, we say, Lord, thank you for these mashed potatoes. We're not actually attributing the source of it. We're just glad to see what's in front of us. But for them, they were, they were conditioned that whatever was in front of them, and sometimes like Melech Ho'alam, king of the universe, after that follows, who brings forth bread from the earth or who brings forth drink from the vine and they would include that in all their prayers it's the most common prayer that jewish people jewish kids teenagers families prayed every single day and yet he's telling them this is how you pray you pray hallowed is the name of the lord in the struggle of the in the garden of gethsemane what did jesus pray father if it be your will let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. Do you think that's a good model for us? And he was in the midst of a great struggle. Now, he obviously had to tell the disciples what he prayed there because they were sound asleep when he was asking them to pray with him, pray for him. This is heaven's influence. In fact, when we think about prayer, we're actually connecting heaven and earth together, aren't we? We're talking to the Father in heaven for what's going on here. And so we're actually having heaven come down in our prayer to join where we're at to remedy things that we're dealing with, to get answers that we're longing for. And we are here on earth, and he says, 
he is in heaven, so start with worship. Remember the old song, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. That should characterize our prayer encounters with God. Heaven comes down, heaven invades us. Because you see, God, God sees everything around us. He knows everything that's going on. He knows every single thought that we've had, every single struggle we've had over the last 24 hours and over the last days and years of your life. He knows everything about you, and he knows what's going to happen in the week ahead. It's pretty good for us to put our trust in him, right? And here it is. He alone deserves the glory. He alone deserves the praise. Worship is prayer, and prayer is worship. You think about it. When we sing, you know, we had this song, I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. And that's part of, if you think about it, a lot of our songs are prayer songs. It's petitioning God. You know, he's never let us down. He's never failed us. And these, some of these lines in these songs are, are expressing to him in prayer, communication, exalting him, saying, Lord, you have came through every time I really needed you. You showed up. Both of Dick Eastman and no, I'm kidding, my, <laughs> but both of them focus on prayer being organized and prayer being focused. Eastman developed this 12-step program, but this is what he said about his, his 12 step. He says, this should not be this should be applied with spiritual liberty rather than regimented legality. And are we pretty worse off when we just make something a regimen? We go through, we have our time, we have our devotion, we have our prayer, and it's off to the races we go. And we kind of leave that in the background and we head off into life. And I tell you, God wants to communicate with us all throughout the day, more so than what we can ever imagine. You think about it, he is our source. Everything we lack, everything we need, all that we could ever receive that is good and perfect comes from him. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. So anything that you lack, anything that you need, Anything that we really need, not maybe everything we want, but everything we need from our health, for our family, for direction, for wisdom, for control, personal encouragement, everything that you will ever need comes from him, the supplier, who prompts our soul. Think about this. Hallowed is your name. There's all kinds of hyphenated names with Jehovah. Jehovah Tishbani, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies. But there he is, Abraham, has Isaac on an altar, ready to do what God called him to do, sacrifice his son. And yet the angel stops him, and over in a thicket is a ram caught. And that ram is a substitute. It's a picture of Christ being our substitute. And what is revealed to Abraham is Jehovah Jireh, actually should be Jehovah Yireh. We say the Lord provides, but it's actually the Lord feeds. And because the Lord feeds, I don't know about you, it just kind of makes me thankful that God's going to take care of me. 
that yes, he's the provider, but he sees me before he provides. And, and that's why he, he blessed that place. And this is Jehovah Jireh. This is the one who saw our need and provided what we needed. He sees your need and he provides what you need. He's Jehovah Rophe, the Lord our healer. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And this is the name he says is exalted and holy and set apart. I'm not a high church person, but I, I do kind of dabble in things like the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And I know you guys are all fired up about that. I, I don't know. I'm just a strange sort. I like to read these sort of things. But the Shorter Catechism is 107 questions and answers. Now, I'm not eager to see the longer catechism. But the shorter catechism begins with a question, what is man's chief end? You probably heard this, right? Who knows the answer? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the first question in, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'll tell you in, in a moment what year this was written. But look at question, the second question after this. What rule hath God given to us on how to glorify and enjoy him? Here's the answer. The word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, is the only rule to direct us on how we may glorify him and enjoy him. The very start of the Lord's Prayer is, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, which is a statement of worship. It's all about worship. It's all about honoring God. Here's the neat thing about that catechism. All the way down at the end of this catechism, this is question number 98. And by the way, it's, it's a great system to go through. It's question and answer all the way through. Here's question 98. What is prayer? And here's the answer. Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercy. That's prayer. And look at the following question, number 99. What rule has God given us for our direction in prayer? Here's the answer. The whole word of God is of use to direct us in prayer. This is why people like George Mueller and George Whitfield and these people, they never had prayer time without their Bible. George Mueller is iconic in the 1700s, had hundreds of children in an orphanage, never once had to go ask people for food. He prayed food in every day, every week for those children. They never went without anything to eat or drink. He refused to ask anybody for help but God. But he had his Bible open, and he never had any session of prayer without the Word of God and God being able to speak to him from the Word as he's talking to God about the need. And he even said that early in his prayer time, in his prayer life, the first 30 minutes was trying to get the clutter out of his mind. I know none of us are like that. 
distractions. He'd be here, there, or what he's got to do. Why, you know, I've, I've got all this on my list to do. And, and it seems like the busyness of our life is our greatest trap that pulls away from communion with the Lord and being just spending time with him and knowing that the investment of that time with him is going to reap great dividends for the rest of the day. They said the whole, they said the whole word of God. Now, George Mueller knew about this Westminster Catechism because it was written a hundred years before he was on the earth. It was written in 1646. It was written because the Church of Scotland and the Church of England were really not kind of in conformity with each other, so they decided to take the shorter catechism and make it to where both of these churches could agree on it. And let me finish this answer. The whole word of God is of use in prayer, but the special rule of direction is that form of prayer which Christ taught his disciples commonly called the Lord's Question 100, all the way through 107, the last question breaks down the Lord's Prayer line by line by line. This is 1646. They conclude in the instruction to the people in their congregation to focus on the Lord's Prayer and that these are the dynamics that should be in our life and our prayer life. All those nine questions. Way before Larry Lee wrote his, could you not carry one hour? Way before Dick Eastman, and Dick Eastman was a fantastic person on prayer, wrote The Hour That Changes the World. Way before any of that, way before we saw the great revivals of the 1800s, there were people settling down in their doctrine saying the most important thing for us is to discover what the Lord's Prayer is all about. And not to memorize it it as a outline, a pattern, a form that we can go to God and we can lay our lives before him. He knows you. He knows your struggles. He knows your doubts. He knows your weaknesses. He knows everything about you, and he still loves us. And he still wants to help us. I can tell you, I'm more aware of his presence than I ever will be. And that is good news that old people can experience but it's what God wants to do in your life he wants your attention he wants your focus he wants you to look to him the Lord's prayer is good I mean it goes right through the line line by line and we we asking him to pray all these things because it never gets to give us our daily bread but to get this out Connect with God as your source, as your focus. Then you can bring your needs, and then you can say, Lord, help me to forgive people. Help me to forgive as you forgive me. I want to forgive people who've harmed me, but you forgive me. And, and everything comes from God through us, and, and it disperses through us, through him. We do not have the capacity to do what we need to do apart from him, do we? He has to supply all of our strength, all of our energy, all of our joy. I want to encourage you to go after God. We are, th this, this device right here is like addiction. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure 
peace when I'm there in the restaurant to watch people, husband and wives, I guess, husband and wife. And I, I saw one family, everybody had one of these or an iPad, and they all were on their phones and iPads eating at Whataburger. Come on now. That's our lives. God has to get our attention, and sometimes we have to shut these things down and say, Lord, I need you more than I know that I need you. We make statements we really don't know how much if it's true. And we say, we need the Lord. We need his wisdom. We need you and I are going to face decisions. You and I are going to face intersections in life. And when we get to that intersection, we need God to show us where to turn. And it looks like all your options could be favorable. Or at least, you know, they look favorable. I could do this, I could do that. But God's two students are going to decide what they're going to do with their lives. Somewhere along the line, God will confirm it. Or somewhere along the line, he will redirect them. But the only way we can get it is to wait on him and, and be uh, attentive to when he starts speaking to us, impressing us, and disrupting us. is because we might be on a detour of his will. And he needs to call us back and put us right in line with what he created us to be and what he created us to do. And I'll make a plan for all of us in this restaurant for this week. Make a plan for all of us. We have to plan for those underclassmen that are yet to graduate. And we have our ideas of what we want all of us did when we were in high school. I know what I want to do. I want to pursue this. I want to go to college for this. I want to get this degree. I want to get this degree. And somewhere in all of that, God will confirm it. And somewhere in all of that, we'll have to, to, to put the brakes a little bit more and find out what he's really doing. I can't do it all myself. And we find that, we find that when we are spending time with him. I want to have a plan for me. And I want to set that time apart. And saying, Lord, not my will. prayers publicly that we know of one is saying father i thank you that you hear me and the other one is father my will is really causing me to back away from this so i'm not going to do what i want i'm going to do what you want and both of those prayers model that we surrender our will to him we surrender what we like to him and we say lord Sometimes it'll come from a person who just maybe gives you a prophetic word. You know, my parents never really tried to tell me, Charles, you need to do this. I was the fourth of six kids. Maybe they realized that the first three wouldn't work on them so bad. So, <laughs> so I pursued what I was going to pursue. After a year out of college, trusted God and trusted his own fair plan somewhere in that 
confirming word that the decision that that man or woman's facing is your will to go through with it. There should be many in this room that do not say, I better tell this person. <clears throat> we surrender our wills to you just like you surrendered your will to the Father. We surrender our wills to you, Father. Our Father in heaven. Exalt us. Come and stand across the room. We're going to be holy and holy. 